All the creatures are pleased by loving words, and therefore we should address with words that are pleasing to all. For there is no lack of sweet words. A quote by Chanakya, also known as Kautilya or Vishnu Gupta, who lived around 300 BC. He was an Indian teacher, philosopher, and a royal advisor. He served as the chief advisor to both Chandragupta and his son Bindusara, whose son was the Emperor Ashoka. He has given two great treatises, the Arthashastra on economics and the Neetishastra on politics. Hello, my name is Malati and this is my show titled The Impressive Emperors. Here I talk to women leaders to understand what it takes to become a leader, to understand the journey from within, the journey to becoming a female leader with a higher purpose. To achieve whatever one sets out to do without losing oneself as a human being requires structure, organization and an acceptance of people as they are. Oftentimes, communication is the key to understanding differences amongst people and words are not the only means of communication. Also, the same words will have different meanings to different people in different situations. Communication is not complete until it is understood as it was meant to be understood. But only sometimes is that so very important. Our today's guest, Ms. Gayatri Puranik, is an entrepreneur based out of Germany. She has been running her Ayurveda business for over 20 years now. She thinks a certain kind of leadership comes naturally to everyone and is grateful for being a woman and also the period in which we are living in. Listen on as we discuss with Gayatri about her journey with Ayurveda and what makes her the impressive empress. Good afternoon, Gayatri. Welcome to our show titled The Impressive Empress, where we are talking to women leaders from various walks of lives, trying to understand uh, their inner journey, their journey to becoming a leader with a higher purpose. So, welcome to our show. Thank you, Malati. It's an honor for me to uh, be amongst the women that you have chosen for your show. Can you briefly introduce yourself? Um, right. So my name is Gayatri Puranik. Um, I was born in Bombay. I come from Maharashtra and um, I did my schooling mostly in Bombay and uh, just three, four years in Bangalore. And it was a very, very nice time in Bangalore and the memory as well as the experiences um, have remained with me um, all my life. And uh, Bangalore is very different to Mumbai. And uh, so, you know, the and I was only between the third and the sixth standard over there, but um, were very, very deep experiences. So that has kind of, you know, really remained with me. Um, and uh, later on, I was very interested in languages. So after my college, I... Um, tried to find ways of uh, learning languages, doing translation, etc. And that's how I finally landed up in Europe. Um, regarding my profession, um, our family is in Ayurvedic manufacturing. 
So after doing my university course in, um, in Germany for um, translation and interpreting, I was looking towards um, finding business contacts for the family business in Germany um, and realized that uh, many people are interested in Ayurveda, but um, doing business with India is not so simple. So at that point of time, um, I decided, okay, we could start with an import business or a kind of an office in Germany so that it's easier for the people to talk to somebody here in Germany itself rather than do business uh, with India. And uh, that's how I started the business. Obviously, it was something different from what I had qualified to do, which was translating. Um, on the other hand, when I did start and got a little deeper into Ayurveda, I discovered that I was not just translating language, but translating concepts. Mm. You know, so it's a whole cultural concept of Ayurveda, which then needs to be uh, yeah, translated as a holistic uh, concept into a cultural setting and a language setting, which is very different. I think you probably moved uh, to Germany sometime in the late 80s or early uh, 90s. So the culture then would have been totally different and I can understand uh, what you exactly meant. So it was the uh, cultural orientation into Ayurveda that you had to give uh, to the people here. So therein, I think, uh, even though you moved from economics to psychology and then to applied linguistics, I think that must have helped uh, you start off or kickstart your business here in Germany. Am I right? Yes, yes. Um, in Bombay, I studied economics and psychology. I did my BA in economics and psychology. Um, and um, many people at that point of time, they said, how can you do these things together? I mean, you know, one doesn't seem to have anything to do with the other. That yeah. was at that point of time in the mid-80s or beginning of the 80s. And today you wouldn't say that, you know, but at that point of time it was, what do these two things have to do with each other? Exactly. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was very interesting. And, um, well, you know, BA is relatively um, dry mm. in, at the university. In India, these are relatively dry subjects. And, uh, well, psychology wasn't so dry, but uh, economics was pretty dry. Mm. And um, uh, But the psychology part was really interesting, and it helped me balance out. On the one hand, you have the psychology, which gives you, uh, brings you closer to people. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you have economics, which, you know, tries to give you a grounding to pragmatic realities, practical realities. Mm. So that was a good balance, I found. Mm. I kind of uh, like the interdisciplinary nature of uh, subjects that you were offered even uh, way back in 80s. So, so as an entrepreneur, when you started here, and as a woman moving from uh, from India to a very, very different culture, especially at the time that you came in, 
how was it to start your business and uh, how did you manage all the challenges that came with it um well ignorance is bliss <laughs> <laughs> so um and i find that uh, we as indians have a very optimistic view and a very optimistic um um attitude to approaching new things so that helped me a lot and um it was you know the i'm um, challenges came naturally to me and it was um as a woman um i didn't really think that there should be something that i shouldn't be doing so i just got down to doing it and um um but you're right you know uh, it was actually the bank managers who kind of felt i shouldn't be doing so many things in germany the bank managers were a little worried in in germany the bank managers in germany yes the oh, bank okay. managers in germany were a little worried okay. that as a woman i am starting off on my own um and i was pregnant at that point of time with my second daughter oh, so okay. <laughs> the bank manager actually told me uh, you know maybe you should really think about um, you know enjoying motherhood and uh, you know take life a little peacefully okay okay and uh, obviously you didn't pay heed to him but uh, what was the actual um, idea behind his uh, advice or suggestion um i presume to a certain extent um it is also this conservative um um attitude that you do have in society in germany mm-hmm. and i remember at that point of time one of our neighbors she was working in a bank and she was pregnant as well and when i spoke to her um whether she would continue working after she had her child she was shocked and she looked at him and said i'm not going to give birth to a child to go out and work after that so i realized oh people look at things differently in germany mm. in india if you are if you grow up in a city and uh, if you grow up in a middle class family then if you have an education you have the privilege of having enjoyed an education in india it is not considered um you know uh, in germany you have the word called rabenmutter okay. you know which means a mother who's not taking care of her children properly mm. you don't have that concept in india yes so here um, women who went out to work when their children were still small were considered um, neglecting mothers you know not taking their responsibility seriously and that was not the case in india so you know i always had this on the one hand the indian side of looking at things as well as here in germany you have a different way um and uh, uh, how people look at things yes. so this contrast was always there yeah i mean it's it's interesting that you mentioned that i was part of the german delegation that went to india last year an international conference where mothers from seven different countries were invited and uh, the concept was vasudeva kudumbakam and the role of mothers and uh, for this uh, before i uh, 
went to the conference. I had some discussions, some interviews with the German mothers here. And this concept of Rabenmutter was uh, spoken. And uh, what would be interesting to note is that today it is exactly the opposite way that the society perceives the mother. So it's, it's a challenge everywhere for the woman and the mother, whether you're working or not working, whether you're career-oriented or not. Yeah. I think the situation um, during that conference emerged that the situation is the same everywhere. We are just on different levels of progress or regress, whichever way you want to see it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But in spite of these hurdles, you have moved now uh, to the... 33 years of uh, Ayurveda in Germany. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, um, 20 years of Ayurveda, years, okay. or 23 to be exact. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have been in Germany since 1989, mm -hmm. and um, it's easy for me to note this date because it was three weeks before the Berlin Wall came down. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like you mentioned, it was a very conservative society in Germany at that point of time. And as a woman, I would like you—I would like to understand a little bit more as an Indian woman, as a woman of color. In fact, this is a question from one of the uh, audience um, in Germany. Anuja is her name. So, she would like to know your journey as an international woman of color, and how was it to mm -hmm. set up a business here in Germany? And uh, how was it, uh, was it easy or difficult to hold on to your Indian roots? Hmm. Um, as a woman of color, I didn't really find it uh, very difficult. I have had the occasional um, uh, comment or the occasional thing where somebody kind of, you know, um, uh, makes a negative remark, but it was more on account of me being a foreigner, as um, an Auslander, so to speak, than on being a woman of color. And um, but I I was always very firm in you know standing up for what um, was commented on, and it didn't take. Uh, anything lying down and I remember somebody we was we were at the Frankfurt airport and somebody you know kept passing by and saying uh, you foreigners you this that and the other and you know I kind of let him pass by once a second time the third time when he kind of crossed again and he was saying I said listen I pay my taxes I'm doing everything that is required of me if you don't shut up I'm going to call the police you know, so, and I was loud enough for the other people around me to take note. Mm -hmm. And believe me, he, he went away as fast as he could. <laughs> so I wasn't going to take any of that, you know. And as this, uh, whenever something like this happened, touch wood, it wasn't very often I was quite firm in not um, allowing that to upset me or, uh, you know, make me feel any... A discomfort or anything mm -hmm. and uh, starting a business um, I think my greatest difficulty was uh, coping with the German um, strictness of discipline and structure and 
the terminology for the business and, you know, the, um, um, the accounting as well as uh, understanding the seriousness with which Germans take taxes. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> the deadlines that you have to keep to and how exact everything has to be, the preciseness with which everything needs to be done, the, the correctness of your language and your words and, uh, you know, that precision and that depth of uh, yeah, uh, structure and discipline, that was what I found more getting used to than um, anything, any other uh, factors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, new land, everything new, you have to learn everything. But then over the years, one also has to retain that and also apply them correctly when the time comes. You know, here I remember uh, Swami Chinmayananda once, you know, jokingly said, before the exams, I'm wise. After the exams, I'm wise. But during the exams, I'm otherwise. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah. So the, these are things that kind of um, uh, new learnings, constant learning keeps our brain fresh. But it's very interesting that in spite of all the uh, little challenges that comes and bogs us down, you have stood your ground. Uh, not paralyzed by fear, not uh, bogged down by frustration. I know when you mention taxes, what what it is. So <laughs> how frustrating it can be uh, as a as a businesswoman. I understand that. But in spite of all that, how did you hold on to your um, tenacity, or how did you hold on to your uh, vision or your long term goal? Mm, yes. Um. When, when I said that I was interested in learning languages, I had noticed um, over the many years how important communication is in bridging differences mm. amongst people. You know? So um, a language as a means of communication um, can either make you feel anxious or it can also make you feel easy, comfortable, and, um, you know, in sync with another human being. And uh, so I kind of felt if I wanted to do something for myself, as well as for the people around me and society, um, I can do it best by bridging this gap of understanding through communication. Mm. And when I came from India to Europe, um, one of the main reasons why I did come um, on my first major trip was uh, to learn Italian. I was in Italy for one year, and that was because um, there were some Italians who used to come to India, speak to my father, and were very interested in Ayurveda. They wanted to do business with Ayurveda, and uh, but, you know, in those years, those were the so-called hippie years, uh, they used to come in uh, shorts and sandals. And my father was, uh, how can we do business with somebody who looks like that? 
And, uh, but, you know, they were very sincere. So he was, um, yeah, well, you know, if you really want to learn languages, maybe it'll be helpful if you also see the culture and it would be helpful if somebody from the family understands the foreign culture, the foreign setup, and, uh, you know, will help us, um, yeah, bridge this gap in mm. communication. Mm. And, you know, um, in those days, I just thought, yes, my father is saying this. And, you know, as long as I get to uh, come here and study, the, that's okay. But I must say, I think it was one of the yeah, of, uh, wisest things that my father did do in allowing me to come here. Uh, because today when I see the situation in which we are with uh, Ayurveda in Europe and Ayurveda in India, I realize how necessary it is to be able to bridge these gaps in understanding through communication, through proper communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you uh, maybe elaborate a little bit on that, about uh, what exactly you mean by communication and proper communication? Because you seem to be bridging two cultures, and where were the difficulties? And have there been any instances where you were faced with a, a roadblock or maybe a failure, and you came out of it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I say communication or proper communication, um, I mean if you take Ayurveda, which is my area of uh, business and uh, the um, uh, area of uh, you know communication as well. Ayurveda is a system of health as well as of um, uh, healing. And uh, here in Germany you have allopathy or modern medicine. Uh, the terminology that is used to describe human functioning is very different in these two sciences. Mm. So, um, you know, if you say, yes, your vata dosha is disturbed or your pitta dosha is disturbed, is very different to saying, uh, for example, that you are nervous, which is vata dosha is disturbed, or uh, saying that uh, you have acidity, which is pitta dosha is disturbed. So here, a modern uh, medicine person will not understand when you say pitta dosha needs to be corrected or balanced. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But if you just translate that, I mean, I have spoken this in, in three words, Pitta Dosha is disturbed. But the concept and the whole mechanism that goes behind that, and is it only acidity? There is a lot more to Pitta Dosha is disturbed than just saying acidity. Mm. No? Mm. Uh, so, you know, that communication in a particular context is a very important. Mm. And if I can give one small example, we translate the word pachan, which means digestion, into English, and then again into German, which means verdauung. Um, you know, there is a lot that is lost in translation yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, so that's yeah, a very yeah. beautiful explanation that you gave. Uh, it, it really uh, brings the focus to what proper communication really means. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, 
So what exactly was your mission when you started with your Ayurveda business in Germany? And mm-hmm. how far have you come now? Mm-hmm. Have you realized in these years? Mm-hmm. So my mission was to bring these two continents together so that they can understand each other. I didn't really have any uh, Alexander kind of ambitions to conquer Germany or to convert the world and make it a better place. I mean, that was not my ambition. But it was if there is somebody who is interested and is interested in learning, then to be able to enable that person to understand it, uh, Ayurveda as it is understood in India. You know, so it is not a half-baked kind of understanding, uh, which happens when you, you know, do a literal translation of words, but to understand the whole concept and the holisticness of uh, the concepts in Ayurveda, which, you know, obviously go beyond the body needs and the body functions because it goes into your mental capacity as well as your, um, uh, I have to use the word spiritual you know, because again, it's a translation. Um, it isn't even dharmic, but it's, you know, your your soul, your feeling as a human being. You know, and the fact that you as a human being are without nationality, without color, without all these other differences that you see, you are your soul. Mm. So to give that kind of understanding, that complete understanding of being a human being as is understood in yoga and Ayurveda, mm. you know, when you talk of a human being, to bring that across even in, yeah, to the Germans who are, or Europeans or whoever is interested mm. in um, learning more about Ayurveda. Mm. Mm. And how far have I come? Um, well, uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes, with the business, I have come um, uh, quite a long way. Um, but uh, how far have I come in bringing this concept across? Well, business has kept me very busy. Mm. So, you know, just getting that concept across, I haven't really have mu- have had much time for that. You know, where you're going out to meet people and talking to them, et cetera, et cetera. That has only happened through the website mm-hmm. or through the flyers, through the information, now and then through workshops. But uh, business itself, you know, the daily um, stuff of making sure that things come on time, that this and this is done on time, that has kind of kept me uh, quite uh, tied to the economics of uh, running a business. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in your, in your own uh, uh, brief way, you said, change what you can change, leave what you cannot change, and be wise enough to distinguish between the two. So I think uh, once again, you have done quite uh, well in that and uh, ensured that you have a successful business. And... Uh, how exactly uh, would you say Ayurveda has impacted the society around you? In Germany? Yeah. Um, Ayurveda, I think, has impacted the society around me without it necessarily being understood as Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at many of the um, 
recommendations that you see on uh, proper nutrition, healthy eating, etc. Mm-hmm. in Germany, a lot of that comes from Ayurvedic uh, concepts and Ayurvedic understanding. You know, where you say, yes, you have to um, eat slowly, for example, uh, take a meal peacefully. Earlier, um, I mean, in India, when we eat together, we don't usually talk so much. And um, whether it be a family or even when you invite people, you usually eat, but you talk before and after. And in Germany, for example, when you invite people, you sit at the table and you talk and you eat at the same time. You know, because the, the, the concept of a meal time being a social uh, event in uh, Germany, in the West, is that you are socializing. So keeping quiet at meal times or during a meal when you've invited friends is not done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I understand uh, that, Yes. <laughs> So this is a contrast, but if you look at all the recommendations that are given uh, on healthy eating, eating um, slowly, eating properly, warm meals, um, how much uh, even this intermittent fasting kind of um, concept, there are many concepts that come from Ayurveda. So what I do see around me is that these concepts are being taken up. I see Ayurvedic um, recommendations in many of these concepts without that being considered as Ayurvedic. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of a positive impact on the uh, on the way things are looked at. Yes, yes. Yeah. And you could kind of, you know, go back to see, okay, where could they have received these concepts? I mean, you do have Ayurvedic courses being conducted in um, in Germany. You have a lot of courses being conducted on Ayurvedic um, nutrition. You have a lot of people who are interested, but in, you know, trying to make sure that they make that cultural bridge to uh, approaching a local person who wants to be in, uh, you know, be healthy and uh, count nutrition as part of their health regime. It helps when you don't come with complicated words and exotic concepts, mm. but you kind of put it across simply. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Communication, as you would call it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, reflecting over these 23 years, what do you think are the key milestones that happened to you and has brought you to the position that you are in today? The key milestones have been, um, well, if I look back on it, I mean, you know, it becomes difficult to kind of see. Now, I've had these difficulties and you you know there's something that needs to be done and you just get down to doing it. Mm. And uh, later on, I mean, I really yeah, have to kind of think, uh, what were the milestones? There were, um, well, in business, you know, you have um, you have situations where, and you have these waves where difficulties come and then they are solved and then they go. So right now it's a little difficult for me to really pick on particular milestones that have made an impact. Mm. Would you consider yourself to be 
to have been successful? And if yes, how do you measure your success? <laughs> yes, I mean that's a that's a question I can answer, and also perhaps as a woman. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. <laughs> icing on the cake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yes. I, it, I I am of the opinion that oftentimes success is uh, measured in the world as we know it today, um, which is still a very male-dominated world in uh, numericals, in mm. quantities, in numbers, you know, where um, if you don't have a turnover which is a million, two million, ten million, whatever, um, that might not count as your success. Mm. And whereas I feel, I mean, I have been a single mother all along, so... Um, I have also tried to maintain a certain balance between numbers and what is also Ayurvedic. It's not always the quantity, but also the quality. Mm. You know? So, uh, and one of my tenets is always that um, in all my success, I should not forget, and that's something which is important to me, um, I not forget that I am a human being and I remain a human being to everybody around me. And this is a quality which I find is missing in the definition of success um, in the world as we know it today. So when you ask me what is success, how do I measure success? If I set out to do something and I achieve it, then that is success. So from where you started to where you have come today, of course, so many years have uh, flown by and uh, so many ups and downs you have seen. And what are the lessons that you have learned that you can share with us today for the benefit of others? Yeah. Uh, one is to, yes, I mean, many people say, believe in yourself. Believe in the goodness of the people around you. At the same time, you have to be aware that there are pitfalls and um, um, if I may quote my daughter, no, uh, you asked a question earlier on about my Indianness as well as, you know, non-Indianness. Um, we come with a certain innate sense of trust uh, from India, or I noticed this as a difference. We trust. We trust everybody. We go, we meet strangers with a trusting attitude. This is what I could give my daughters as well. You, know, you trust people. Mm. And uh, at one of my, uh, my second daughter, she kind of said, Mama, you know, uh, you have taught us to be trusting, but it doesn't always work. You know, in Germany, it's a little different. So I said, yeah, how is it different? She says, you have taught us to trust till somebody shows you that they are not worthy of your trust. And here it's the other way around. You don't trust them till they show themselves worthy of your trust. <laughs> <laughs> Again, so, you probably had to use your power of communication to bridge these two differences. Yes. So I have kind of learned to combine both. 
you know, to trust and not to trust <laughs> and see when is what appropriate yeah. in which cultural concepts. So, yes, that is something I think I could give as well, mm-hmm. that we are in a different world now. And although we learned as children to trust, we learn also as we grow up that maybe it's not the first thing that you need to do, but I think you you shouldn't lose that attitude of trustfulness. Yeah. In fact, uh, trust is one of the uh, top skills um, that is recommended for good leadership. So I think uh, we are doing fine in being trustworthy ourselves and yeah, maybe use a bit of caution when we are to trust somebody else. Yes. Yeah. So I would like to have a kind of a rapid fire round with you. Are you ready? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Which woman inspires you the most and why? My grandmother. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Why? Um, She used to maintain a a spirit of giving continuously and and, and still exude a kind of authority which was unquestionable. Mm. (laughs) And your greatest strength? My optimism. Wow. What, has, what do you think is the most significant barrier for a woman to assume leadership position? I think it is her own uncertainty mm. to accept that she can lead and she can move things and achieve whatever she sets out to achieve. Mm. Great. And how would you suggest that she overcomes that? Her uncertainty? Yeah. I would, you know, really think, uh, look back on our Indian mythology and take the strength from our Indian goddesses and the message that we get from our philosophy, Mm. which actually says that we are humans and we are equal as humans. Wonderful. With that, I think we have come to the end of our conversation. It was amazing walk through through your life journey thus far. And I wish you loads of success in your business going forward. And before I close, I would like to ask you one important question about your wonderful mission that you have taken up in the field of Ayurveda. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um... Yeah, I mean, it is my passion. <laughs> so uh, tell me when I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> because that is definitely something that I can talk for a very long time. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, I mean, we are coming into a phase where Ayurveda is also getting into a new um, 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 dynamism uh, in India as well as abroad. Um, Ayurveda is also recognizing that we have to step up um, to the world and open up and that we have a long tradition which is extremely valuable, but we need to open up to include the 
realities as they exist today. Um, I think in India also we are going through a transition from a stage and a phase where uh, life before digitalization was still relatively peaceful. And we are now coming into a different phase where we have to take account of what are the changes in the um, in life today, in the society today. And that Ayurveda also has to take account of these changes and show us how we can use Ayurveda in a new uh, way. I mean, Ayurveda doesn't change. The principles remain the same. They have remained the same all over the world as well as all a long time because they are so inherently natural. What needs to change is how we can interpret these principles in a new circumstance, in a new surrounding. And that is going to be the challenge for all of us. And I, I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> Great. Wish you, I mean, again, loads of success in that initiative of yours also. And uh, thank you so much once again for being on our show. Thank you, Malati. It's been a pleasure. Calm and humorous with analytical thinking, Gayatri has been able to empathize and understand the other's point of view, taking a sincere effort towards maintaining a balance. She believes motherhood or active parenthood prepares one for any kind VUCA situation. Disruptive, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous and diverse kinds of situations. Applying Indian philosophy and the motherly understanding to empathize and cope with human behavior have been her biggest life lessons. With a clear understanding of cultures and communications and aided by her passion for Ayurveda, Gayatri marches ahead with her mission of connecting Ayurveda across the world by getting the fraternity to stand together with a vision for the furtherance of Ayurveda. Thank you Gayatri for being there, serving the cause of Ayurveda. Salutations to such inspirers in our lives. Thank you so much for listening in. I look forward to receiving your comments on how you like this conversation and if you found it inspiring. I'm also glad to receive any questions you would like me to ask our next guest. Do write to me at empress at bogia.online. Also, please do visit us at bogia.online slash the impressive empress to get to know more of such leaders and how you can lead like the impressive empress. <laughs>